We are live and in color. This is your host, Champ Franklin, and we are here. Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. This is your host, Champ Franklin. Yes, welcome to Intimate Discoveries, the podcast. Redefining a conversation around intimacy. In a world where conversations often feel superficial, we dive deep, exploring the layers of what it truly means to be intimate. This isn't just another love talk. It's a groundbreaking journey through intimacy's cognitive, emotional, sexual, and spiritual aspects in the modern age. In each episode, we peel back the layers of myths and truths, engaging with experts, sharing real-life stories, and uncovering insights that challenge everything you thought you knew about closeness and relationships. Whether you're navigating the complexities of love, seeking deeper connection, or just curious about the unspoken intricacies of human bonds, Intimate Discoveries is your guide through the maze of modern intimacy. Tune in Mondays, Wednesdays, at 8 p.m. as we unravel the secrets to truthful, truly meaningful connections. Intimate Discoveries unveiling connections where every episode is one step closer to your experiencing um, the heart and soul of intimacy. I am your host, Chad Franklin, and welcome to the broadcast. We are delighted to be here and want to say thank you, everyone, for joining the show. This is an amazing moment. And... Um, Yes, thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for another um, wonderful introduction. Thank you, everyone, for cheering me on. Um, this is this is our moment. This is it. This is us right here. Yes, I'm telling you, um, what we do is important, and helping couples, helping individuals to discover their. I call it unique intimate expression is important and we have to start somewhere. And so I say, let's start right here, right now. Let's start right here. Uncovering the secrets because we know that the divorce lion is, is walking around seeking whom he can devour. And this year he's going to, um, devour up to 50% of the marriages that are active this year. And so I, I just welcome you all to the, to the podcast. And I am looking and searching for ways in which I can help you to figure out how you can be more effective in your relationships. And so today I want to continue into that vein of being a high reliable partner. And so last time we talked about it, we saw that um, a high reliable partner is someone who operates in complex, um, this is high reliable organization, or organizations that operate in complex high hazard domains for extended periods of time without serious accidents or catastrophic failures. And so we looked at this and we, we were trying to bring this concept of a high reliable organization to being a high reliable partner 
<clears throat> and so we 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 took those five principles, right? And we again took these principles and 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 looked at how can we apply these to our relationship so that we can be considered high reliable partners. Uh, I know that most of us are in a relationship with a really good person, someone who is working, someone who has a stable job, someone who is educated, someone who has been tested and has at least three friends who will vouch for them that they are um, dependable. And so the question is, if you can be dependable to your friends, why aren't you dependable to your spouse? Or what degree of dependability can your spouse say that you are? And, and, and when, we, when we talk about dependable, when we talk about being reliable, we, 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 the barometer or the scale in which we look at is your commitment to helping your partner feel safe or your commitment to helping your partner um, be in a, in a safe space. And so, again, we want to look at that. We want to we be able to have that conversation. And, um, yes... We are, we're doing well. And so if you want to come on the podcast at any day, any time, um, feel free um, to, to um, come on the podcast. Let me see here. Hold on. Let me see here. Would you be interested in joining the podcast now? I am live. So yeah, so let's see what Destiny has to say. Um, if she's interested in coming on the podcast, if you know anyone who's interested in coming on the podcast, feel free to join in um, and share. Um, let me say here, send me your email address. Your email address. Boom. Yes, I think that we have seven total people online who's listening right now. And if you're interested in coming on board, um, let's do it. I want to hear from you. Uh-oh, she is tapping, tapping in. Yes, you. Destiny. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um oh my gosh. Invite P D where P D W A R E
Oh my gosh. I am about to have a special guest right now. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is going to be exciting. When she comes on, ladies and gentlemen, this is unbelievable. I am absolutely thankful um, that she is here. Um, come on, Pam. Um, yes, hold on. Let me do this here. Let me do this here. Let me see this. Make sure that she gets it. Podbean. Podbean. Intimate Discoveries. Um, live. We are live. Let me see here. Um, share. Yes. Uh oh. Oh, here we go. Oh my gosh. Who just showing the show? Oh my gosh. Yes, I know you. What you say, you Pam? Is this Pam? Oh my gosh, Pam. Oh my gosh. Who else is? Oh my gosh. This is my girl. Come on, Pam. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Let me see. This is my girl Mel coming in. And I'm thankful um, that you're back again today. Let me see. Can you come over for one time to hear? Let me see if you if you able to get your phone together. Come on, girl. Let me see. If I need to call you in again, I'll call you. And you can come in on the live show again. Um, because we had a very good conversation last time and um, I'm looking to see what you learn and what new insight that you have, right? All right, enter the live audio. All right, connected with, okay, where is something's going on with your phone again that I don't understand why you can't come over two <clears throat> let me see who else could be available right now rico i sent you an email let me see if frankie's on there come on frankie rock was on there let me see dorian let me see who, who, who who's who's available to come on in let me see your invite as a speaker come on we sent you the invitation but again we we're looking at um we're, we're, we're constantly looking at how can we be a high reliable partner um, and providing that, that, that safe space for each other. And, and, and it, it can be challenging um, for the, the faint at heart or someone who is what I, can, what I call unstable, not mentally stable. And so for me, um, I like to be able to help individuals um to understand um how we can bring this together right and um and i'm inter i'm interested in, in helping everybody it doesn't matter what your walk of life is or where you come from um i want to be able to to 
help you to create a safe environment. Um, don't see. Okay, so um, the link is in the chat. Click on the link here. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I, I just sent it to you. Um, PD Wear Inspires. Let me see here if I can do it again. P D W A R E I N S P I R E S. All right, let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. Uh, beautiful. Yep, you should have it. You should have it. So, um, you ready to come in, my friend? Um, let me see. Click on there and tell me uh, where you are. Can I ask what are we discussing? Um, we are discussing T-I-M-A-C. All right, I'm getting ready to call my friend Mel to come in and talk. Um, let's go, Mel. Let's talk. Let's let's get this thing going, Mel. Let's 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 have this conversation and let's do this um, because it's important, right? Let me get her on the phone and see what, what she has going on and what she can contribute to the conversation because there she is. My hey, my old my faithful friend. Oh my gosh, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. That I'm is excited. my area. Um, we are, huh? I said I'm excited. We have a full hour of exciting topics to cover. Yes, we are. Yes, that is absolutely. You're absolutely right. So, um, how was your weekend? It was good. I I stayed pretty much at home. It's always good to just stay at home. Uh huh. Yeah. I enjoy that. I'm a little bit of an introvert sometimes. <laughs> okay. Well, I got you. I got you. And I'm glad that you're able to, to come out and and join the show again. And and um so this has been a good, good, good day for me. And um I'm excited. I'm getting ready to what am I doing right now? I'm getting ready to start on tomorrow. Um, a program called Quiet is Kept at my frat house. And so that's going to be exciting because I'm. this is what I'm considering as a guaranteed safe space where men know that they can come and talk and share their feelings and emotions and experiences. Um, very nice. Very nice. Uh -huh. I applaud you for that. Good job. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's big, you know. It's the little steps that you take to get to the ultimate goal that makes a difference, you know? Right, absolutely. And and it, it is, and it's something that could be as simple as getting something off your chest and processing it and having the space in which you can you can actually properly assign those feelings and those experiences, right? And so, um, yeah, and so what I often look at is I have this feelings wheel. And um, my feelings wheel um, allows individuals, um, it's something that I use to allow individuals, um, a give them a blueprint on how they could expand their emotional vocabulary. And so, for example, huh? I say, okay. Yeah, so there are primary, secondary, and tertiary feelings that um, we as men are not giving permission to feel. So, for example, growing up as a young man, they would tell you, you know, just suck it up, or, or you can't show weaknesses, or sharing emotions or feelings is a sign of weakness, and People will take advantage of you and stuff like that. And so, um, but I now use this feelings wheel. And the feelings wheel allows me to um, show individuals that there are more feelings and emotions that you have that you can express, um, or not so much, that you can express. And then two, when you are in a conversation with someone, and they are expressing feelings and emotions that you now have the ability to connect with those individuals, right? So, for example, when we look at talking, someone talking about being sad, right? There are 12 other feelings that you can have that are associated with being sad, right? That includes being sleepy, bored, lonely, depressed, ashamed, guilty, bashful, stupid, miserable, inadequate, inferior, and apathetic, right? But if you're not allowed, huh? mm-hmm. but if you're not allowed to tell somebody that you're sad, then you do not have access to these other feelings. And so when someone is coming to talk to you and they could be feeling inferior, right? Or feeling stupid or, or just miserable, right? But because you've never been given permission to feel in that sense, you can't connect. Right. Right. And it becomes it becomes a, a stumbling stone within the relationship because not only does the woman does not know how to react to the man, but the man won't know how to react to the woman. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And so, um, and, and, and we looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and we know that after you have fulfilled the safety need, that the next need is the sense of feeling and, and feeling of loving and belonging. And that's where emotional intimacy lies. And if you can't make a proper exchange or you can't reciprocate, then the relationship continues to experience emptiness. Right, you got to go other places. So we have a new guest on the show. Can you introduce yourself? Hello. Yes, I can hear you. All right. How you doing, Mr. Franklin? I'm doing wonderful. Who am I speaking with? Uh, This is uh, Petey Ware. 
Petey Ware. Mm-hmm. Oh, my first name. yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. You can, you can keep it PD where just in case if you're talking and you share something and you don't want somebody to know who you are, that's fine. And that's beautiful. Um, I understand. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm person, I'm, I'm one who's vulnerable on the show and I normally tell my business, um, because I don't care. Cause ain't nothing you can do about it. <laughs> You know, I can tell you how I feel and how I'm experiencing and what I've dealt with. And it's it's an opportunity to help you. Um, but but not everybody is at that is at that level. And so I get it. So um so you you're chiming in on the conversation. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um PD Ware. Okay. So I am out of uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. I am a uh, inspirational speaker and CEO. Um, founder of Courageous Climb Organization. Uh, I'm the former chief death investigator for the Shelby County Medical Examiner's Office. And I've spent nearly the last 20 years in the death industry. Anything mm-hmm. death related that you can think of, I've done licensed mortician, autopsy technician, and death investigator. And so I'm on a oh. mission to change the trajectory of the decision making of our youth, uh, not just in my city, but across the, across the U.S. and beyond. So you want to you want to change the trajectory of our youth? Yes. Okay. And and how do you, um, what do you see as a an area in which you can help our youth? Uh, basically, what I focus on is the decision making process. So, gun violence is the leading cause of death for children and teens in the United States, ages one through nineteen. Mm-hmm. Basically, what I do when I go out and I talk with youth, uh, I don't do scare straight, but what I do is I give them um, an up close and in personal conversation of what happens beyond the crime scene tape, the stages mm-hmm. of death that families and communities go through uh, when they make these poor decisions. I cover gun violence, suicide, drugs, alcohol, motor vehicle crashes, uh, in hopes to inspire them to make better choices. A lot of mm-hmm. what I see is uh, due to poor association. So just sharing my journey uh, and how death uh, has shaped my path of, resi- of resilience, you know, mm-hmm. to, uh, from what I've seen uh, and the stories that I've heard uh, from so many parents uh, throughout throughout my city uh, in hopes to get them to be conscious of who they're choosing to spend their time with, uh, being conscientious of the attitude that they have, and how they treat others and how those better choices that they make create better chances for their lives. Outstanding. And so um, with that, um, you bring a different different perspective to our show um, because you are looking to help um, youth. And um, what do you see as the one of the reasons why children um suspect themselves to violence so why do they why do they choose violence um other than the way in which we are telling them to go uh, i think some of the biggest things that i've seen uh and just from my youth experience as well uh, like having a true support system mm-hmm. uh, you know lack of confidence in who they are and their uh, identity and their own unique gifts uh, and so many of the things that they're exposed to, be it social media, the video games, 
Uh, it's like they've been desensitized to death. The perception of death and the perception of being invisible, uh, I think, has uh, led many astray. Uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of the things that I've seen is really who they associate with. And I, I tell kids a lot of times they're only one degree of separation away from um, just by who they're hanging out with from losing mm-hmm. their lives. Uh, and so one of the things that I tell them uh, is that if the, if the, with the parents exposure to different things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right. with kids, if, uh, you know, they come from, uh, troubled backgrounds, you know, they may not live in the best of areas, but if mm-hmm. all they see is what's between the four walls and they're never exposed to anything different that's out there, then they're not going to have much to aspire to, you know, uh, and that's not including maybe some of the traumas that the parents went through when they were coming up that were never addressed. Uh, and most of the kids that don't have a strong support system they don't hear that I believe in you. They don't hear that I love you. Uh, you know, right. the parents are, you know, not being edifying them, not affirming them at a young age, you know, so they get caught up in getting their affirmations out in the streets, you know, with mm-hmm. their friends. Uh, and so what I do is I share stories with them that we don't really hear about. You know, uh, I tell the kids, my phone only rings when somebody dies. So mm. when I get a phone call, your grace has expired. It's, it's, it's mm. no more. It doesn't matter how many tears mom shed, dad shed. It's nothing that's going to bring you back. So it's important to really assess those situations uh, with them. But I think so many more of our kids need support at such an early age, you know, in elementary school, to be able to hear those things in the home that they feel like they're only getting out in the streets. Uh, we're seeing them younger and younger, nine, ten. 11 years old, uh, you know, out here robbing people, you know, being involved in carjackings uh, and shootings. Oh, my gosh. Uh, And so, yeah. Um, My heart goes out to you. And I want to say thank you for the great work that you do um, in, in trying to reach young men, young women, um, so that um, they will not be success, su- susceptible to gun violence or any, any, any other type of violence and, um, and being able to sort of bridge that gap from the areas in which they're not experiencing positive affirmations because that's it's 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 big, you know, and we look at most men's <laughs> most men's love language <laughs> is words of affirmation, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. Because we didn't get that growing up, yeah. and, and so um, so yeah, and so um, how do you? So when we look at at um, are you? I take it. Are you familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yes. Okay, perfect, right? And so the thing that we look at now is that the the safety need, right? Mm-hmm. The need to feel safe. And when this safety need is not fulfilled, that a member cannot experience a sense of feeling or loving, uh, the sense of feeling of loving and belonging, right? Yeah. Because that's the next need is once you once you fulfill the safety need, 
then that person can can that next need after that is a feeling of loving and belonging and individuals in order for us to be um productive citizens in order for us to um uh, begin to feel good about ourselves that those three needs food water shelter and warmth the safety need and then the need to feel a feeling of loving and belonging those needs have to be secured and and when there's a disruption in those needs you are not able to feel good about yourself that's the esteem need right and once the esteem need is fulfilled then there is um the self-actualization and so because that disruption in the in the safety need of kids don't have a place where they can be vulnerable and honest that safety need often goes unmet where the kid is all you know often called a liar or or the mom or dad is is not allowing them to tell their truths i know for me <laughs> growing up um i i didn't i wasn't given a space to actually tell my truth all the time um unless it was good and in my favor <laughs> right you didn't tell the truth if it wasn't in your favor um and so um and then so when that came down to me being a father you know i look back and and i wasn't as diligent no i should say i was negligent in that area in which um i was consistent in providing them a safe space in which they can just say whatever they want to say or how they felt and experience something and then just allow them to be you know accept what they decided you know yeah and and that's and that's and that's but that's important yeah. and it, it it's challenging and so um what would you say um is a, is a is a way in which you get your message across how do you connect with with the youth um one of the things that i do uh is i share my personal journey so i knew at 14 that death and i would have a special relationship uh, i went to my first funeral at 14 years old with my mom and I was just there. She worked as a deputy jailer for the sheriff's department. I was just there to watch the ladies' purses. Uh, mm -hmm. most, most kids that age, we nosy. So I threw the purses up on the bench in the back of the church. And I'm going around and being nosy. But the one catalyst was I told my mom as I watched the funeral directors, I found out what the title was and what they did. I said, hey, I want to be a mortician. She mm -hmm. never thought that anything was wrong with that. She never mm -hmm. called it called it weird. Uh, and so I tell parents, never doubt a kid's dream, no matter how far-fetched it may be. Mm. Um, I get a lot of people uh, that come up to me that wanted to go into that particular field, mm -hmm. but was told, oh, no, you don't want to do that. And even though at 14, my mom may not have saw or felt what I felt, she mm -hmm. didn't know that at that age, that 20-something years later, that not only would I be the mortician for the community, but the mortician for my family. 
Mm. All, the, all of the deaths that we had. So I tell parents, never deny a kid's dream. And so, and I tell parents, uh, and I feel like a lot of the parents that I, that I speak with that's in the room with the kids, they had mm-hmm. dreams that never, that they never got to manifest. Right. Because no, nobody, and it just takes one person. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever saw their bright light or nobody ever encouraged their bright light in them. And so I challenge them mm-hmm. if they have dreams or goals or aspirations, if they can hear my voice, it's not too late because right. they're speaking on behalf of the voices that can't speak anymore. That's in a cold cooler that's 36 degrees. Mm-hmm. And, and I inspire them by being realistic with them. Uh, what they think they're ready for, they're not. Right. Because when you're dealing with death, it's one thing to see something on TV, but when you're in the presence of death and you happen to put your hands on death and you get the stench of death, mm-hmm. it does something to people. Uh, right. And especially kids at that age, that's not something that you should have to, to deal with at that particular age and time. And so I just try to be as open and honest. I tell them what happens. Uh, I go through different case studies from when I come out on the scene, what I see, uh, what's devastating, you know, being seeing the trauma to kids mm-hmm. and seeing them laying on street corners in cars and people's yards and people's houses and having to pick them up, having to see the trauma to their bodies, having to scrape brain matter and stuff off the street to send with them, having to do the autopsy and when they get in and I try to make it relevant to to things that'll be interesting to them, like the anatomy, the way the body is put together, how all the organs function, but the autopsy process, we take all of the organs out, you know, and then the last thing that we take out during the autopsy process is the brain. And that's the most powerful organ in your body. A, a mm-hmm. human brain on average weighs about three pounds. An unloaded handgun about four and a half pounds. And so I tell them, we're loading the wrong thing. Mm. Yeah. And if we look at it in context, if you put the the good things in, the more good that you put in, the more good that you are going to get out. But kids want to be, they want to be shown love. And truth be told, even if it's tough love, they may not, you know, appreciate it a lot, but they they really do uh, take it to heart. They, they really do appreciate it in the long run because it shows that somebody cares about me. You know, somebody has to love me, but some kids, they need more than just the the physical part of it. They need that verbal. They need that, that right. reinforcement because it's so much stuff out there when they leave their homes. And if their home is not their safe space, then they're going to get everything else that they need from out in the streets, mm-hmm. whoever they're hanging out with. You know, and mm-hmm. that's the problem because they fall victim. They're not, you know, emotionally strong enough to be able to deal with some of these things uh, that they're having to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and they just need to be, uh, I, I love the words, I'm big on words of affirmation uh, and mm-hmm. big on making sure that people uh, feel appreciated, feel seen and feel heard. Uh, and knowing how to communicate effectively with the kid and how they're going to receive it. You know, some kids you have to be forceful with in your tone. Some you can't. Some all you got to do is just, hey, sit them down, do it in private. They don't, you know, you'll you'll make them go into their shell. But so effectively learning how to communicate with them 
in their in their uh, language, the way that they best not only receive it, but they're able to you know make the corrections uh, to do what they need to do uh, going forward to um, you know make those better choices. Right, and, and that's good stuff. And I, I'll tell you, you came on the show and um, came down my street. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and so this is one of the great parts about intimate discoveries is that we get individuals coming on the show um, from all walks of life, different experiences, and you have to be careful because you could be touched by one of our episodes. And, and and listening to you talk about how um, we as parents should um, allow our our children to dream, allow them to say, you know, they want to be, you know, a plumber or like you said, I want to be a mortician and not crushing their dreams. Right. And, and I think I say for me, I know that there were moments in which I thought I was doing right. You know, and I'm like, listen, if you thinking that you're going to go into um, acting and you're going to make it big in the in the acting world, um, you individuals who are in that in that arena um, <clears throat> usually start at a very young age. Right. In the acting world. Right. Um, but that was because people crushed my dreams. And and damn, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, Courtney, I'm sorry, baby. Um, I'm sorry for those moments, right? That I didn't just allow your dream to go. Um, just let it go. <laughs> it ain't your life, Dad. Um, and like you said, there is no hurt to that, right? There is no um harm in allowing your kid just to say they want to be something because you haven't you know truth be told we're still figuring it out you told me that you were going to be this person and you were going to be uh in the army and be all you can be in the army and you didn't do well you didn't do well on, on your in your school. You didn't do well um, competing in the Olympics. You didn't do well um, in physics. You didn't do well um, in this in a whole bunch of other areas. And if it hadn't been for somebody holding the back seat of your bike, you probably wouldn't have learned how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're absolutely right that we as parents that we gotta start allowing them to dream and allowing them to be vulnerable and share because if they can't share a dream that is not even here, right? And and what else will they not share with you? Huh? They, they, they'll keep a lot of stuff from you. And then they keep a lot of stuff from you. And and they'll share with other individuals um, who encourage them <laughs> in doing stuff that typically ends them in jail 
or in the grave. Um, and that's where I think where your work is starting, right? Right. And so um, one of the things that I am doing um, at the local high school here in, in Charlotte is I'm, I'm creating this program called Table Talk, where I go into the school during lunchtime mm-hmm. and guys can come over and just talk. Yeah. Just talk. We we not trying to figure out what you did wrong. Um, the main requirement at my at my at the table is that that you got to pull your pants up, man. Because you know, and I tell them, the lower your pants, the lower the discount. Yeah. And it, <laughs> you know, the lower the, the discount is on your greatness. And if I and if I can see your whole draws, then that's one hundred percent off your greatness. So you're not going to even get any credit here. You ain't nobody going to look at you. Nobody going to give you give you the time of day simply because you have decided to take 100% of your greatness. And um and that and that's important. That's that's what what, what I do and I know it's important um to provide that those kids those safe spaces because we don't really get a chance to um, give them moments and when they in which they're doing something right. Right. You know, most of the time we go to individuals is because we think they're doing something wrong. True. And so, and that's another thing that we gotta again encourage each other um, as parents is to tell them that hey, um, I'm coming here. Um, because I see you doing something right. <laughs> and if I can come to you when 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 I'm wrong, when you're wrong, then I can come to you when you're right too. <laughs> there you go. They need that just right? as much. They need it just as much. And you see when they're doing something right, you over there smiling, you over there proud, get up and go tell them something. <laughs> yep. Huh? I say yes, sir. You gotta let them know. You you have to let them know, and that's the that's the important thing that we have to continue to do is letting 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 them know that they matter, that they are important, and in order for them to feel a sense of loving and belonging. Otherwise, when they get to the streets, they have to to prove themselves. They have to do things to get those words of affirmation. Um, they have to show commitment and resilience in those areas. It's just that that in the streets, everybody gets caught. Yep. <laughs> Nobody is is exempt. If you're on the line um, to prison, <laughs> if you're on the line doing criminal activity, it is just a matter of time before you get caught. Yeah. And um and that and that and it, it's sad, um but it's true that um our kids are going to jail at an alarm at an alarming rate. Yes. And and most of them who go to prison at fourteen, sixteen, twenty, um will not recover mentally. Mm. <laughs> hmm. I said, that's, that's tough. It is tough. I, I've, I've gone to prison um, to visit people. I went to visit my, my sister one time. 
And uh, oh my gosh, I'm telling you, it took, we were there for a couple hours. And so it took about, I would say about 45 minutes to see her um, smile, to see her lighten up because in prison, you got to put on so much armor that in order for people not to, you know, find your weakness and exploit your weaknesses in prison. And so when she came out, I'm talking about you can see the the harshness on her face. And it took like, I could say, a good, a good 45 minutes. And then I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, it is all peeled off now. Oh my gosh, it was, it was just, it was something that I, I would never forget. And and knowing that that person who who goes into prison, they don't that that same person who goes in don't come out. Yeah. And and it's something that we gotta we gotta do more in prevention and helping them to helping the kids to be able to um to share um what their challenges are and how they're feeling. Um, so that we can we can hit it off because it could just be something that you know I I remember um, when um, my dad told me he hated me right but you don't know that I don't know what I'm saying right my dad said he hated me my dad was so so my dad was was paralyzed he was a quadriplegic and he decided to sell drugs um, and I was the one who was bagging up the dope. And handling the money for my dad, right? In seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth, tenth, oh, so on and so on. And so my stepmom, she was um, handling the marijuana. And so my dad would keep the money from her. And so my dad would have me to take the money up, you know, and hide it um, so that she wouldn't know how much money he had. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? And so. So now here I am, 13 years old. I'm in the middle of this, right? And so my mom, she's like, did your dad give you any money? What am I say? No. Yeah, he, he gave me some money. And so I went down there and I I went and went in the attic, pulled it out, and it was this wad of money. <laughs> and, 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 and so she knew, and so she didn't take it. But she knew, and so my she went and asked my dad about it, and I'm 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 there washing my dad up at this moment, and I'm being quiet. I don't like know anything is going on, and then um, she confronts him with the, about the money, and then he he of course lies, mm -hmm. and then she like slap him, <laughs> and 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 um, he's quite a police, so he can't even swing back. And and so then my dad looked over and told me, I hate you. I hate you. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm just taking it, <laughs> right? But the thing was that it hurt so bad. And here I am crying, right? And I'm I'm sitting on the back. I'm at my back on my friends back in the alley. Um, because I ran out of the house and, and I'm crying and and I didn't, you know, and one of my friends gave me that moment. Um, you know, just to, to talk about how I was feeling. And, and so 
when I came back in, my eyes are red. My dad, you know, he reconciles the books. And he's like, son, I don't hate you. I just hate the fact that you told her. I hate what that what you did. And he asked me to forgive him, and I forgave him right there. Um, the point is that it hurt. <laughs> and and oftentimes we say things to our children that are hurtful that um, we often don't go back and reconcile the books. <laughs> yeah. um, and give them that, that opportunity to process that stuff because it hurts. And... and and we gotta, we have to do better. We have to be, we have to increase awareness that you, that you can, you can, you can be more kind to your child. Yeah. Right. You can give them a little bit more grace, um, because you never know what you could say that could inspire them right. to do better. Right. 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 And so if you're not, and again, we gotta also take take responsibility for where our kids are, right? If your child can't read, um, it's probably because you haven't sat down to read with your child. Hmm. You put the work in. You haven't put the work in. And they can't just automatically just read because it's on it's on YouTube. Right? Mm. <laughs> so um, but yeah, so what what do you so when it comes to intimacy, right? Um and relationships and dealing with death, um, how do you um what have you seen that people regret that they were not able to experience a level of closeness with their family members before they left the earth. Before they grace us up. I would say if we're talking into adulthood, you know, mm -hmm. maybe there was not a, a reconciliation of the books, as you put it. You know, maybe... Uh, there's something there that happened years ago. And mm -hmm. instead of, you know, going back and uh, making amends and then never getting the opportunity to, uh, that takes uh, grief down a different path, I would say, based on conversations that I've had uh, with families uh, once they lose a loved one, like not you know, letting it go on so long that now it's too late. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that was, that's a big one. And talking about our youth is just, and it's not saying that all parents are not doing because you have a lot that are that's taking the time mm -hmm. with their kids, but the pain, uh, that they go through on a daily basis because now they're replaying the potential that their kids had that they'll never mm. see come to fruition. Mm. You know, and thinking about for the ones that's, that's out there is mm. pouring into their kids mm -hmm. and they're the victims of the violence. You know, the kids who are doing the right things, 
that right. are making the, the better choices, that have the better chances because of the choices that they make and their lives are, are you know, snatched away. Um, right. Those are, you know, death is devastating in and of itself. But to hear those stories uh, and the path that that grief takes, you know, for families, uh, because you have, you know, the ones where, like, they are right there at, you know, breakthroughs. You're talking about kids that's a week, two weeks graduating from high school. They got college mm-hmm. acceptance letters. You know, mom them been buying the college supplies, you know. Mm-hmm. And and now all this, I mean, you, you got a room full of stuff. You got a heart and a mind full of dreams that they ain't gonna never be able to see. Right. Yeah. Those, those are, those are the, the worst ones where, you know, any premature death is a, is a tragedy in my mind um, because anyone can recover. Yeah. I um, mean, so you can't really say that this person is not going to be anybody um, because we can turn our lives around tomorrow um, given the right opportunity. And, and, and so it it just it just depends, right? Um, it, it does because you have some kids that uh the ones that you know that may have started out a little rocky and those are, are painful as well. Well, when you mm-hmm. see that they they made that change in a different direction, but the cases where the past come back to haunt you, as people mm-hmm. say, you know they they've gotten on the right track. And the past just won't let them go. Or now they're in the right place at the wrong time. You know, and they, uh, those are, are really tough too. And so I, I, I tell, you know, parents of kids, you know, you gotta, you gotta love on them, you know, while you got them and, and pushing to be the best that they can be. You know, that's right. within reason, you know, that's going to uplift and edify them. and you know, sharing with them, you know, what it's like to have hope in, in the midst of, you know, some despairing situations, you know, building that resilience in them and, you know, sharing, you know, some of your journey as a parent with them, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, having those some conversations, you know, hey, this is, you know, where I started out at, you know, and, you know, what the, those hardships, the adversity, you know, that we over, overcome as parents. And like you said, we're still figuring a lot of things out too as parents, you know, right. uh, and how to get this, how to get this thing right. You know, I think it's an ever learning process. Um, but the premature death is, um, I think it takes grief to another devastating level uh, for parents and communities alike. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, that love, that affection, that attention, um, that support why you have time um, is important. And um, and and not and like you say, we're 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 still learning, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're learning as parents. You know, oftentimes we look back and and understand that we um, miss something. You know, and and we could we didn't get something right with our children or our parents or or we misunderstood our mom or our dad and like you know mom you were right, 
uh, or on, looking on the other end um, um, as, as the parent and, and knowing that, that we didn't get it right um, because we were doing the best that we could at that moment mm-hmm. and, and not realizing that, you know, when they say I'm, I'm old school, you know, I, I tell them, I say, you know, old school didn't have internet, right? <laughs> old school can't even google <laughs> and so here you are here you are teaching your kids on um behaviors or rules in which individuals who practice them didn't have internet and and most of those who grew up old school um, were unlikely to grow up with all of their rights. Oh, no, 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 let me stop back. To be born with all of their rights. Because if you were not born after 1965, you were not born with all of your rights. <laughs> and so when you are practicing whatever it is, it, that's in that fear, those Jim Crow days, those... Um, moments in which black people could be mistreated at a significant level and folk get away with it. Um, and even a, an even alarming rate. Um, and those, and what you had to do to teach your children to be on point, to be attentive, to be um, subservient, to be to be out of sight and out of mind um, so that they would not be hurt or be susceptible to violence um, or racial hate. And so you, you're, you're training, you're, you're still in that, in that vein, right? And not bringing your, your training or your discipline um, to, or your rearing of your children to the modern age. Um, You could be missing a lot. Yeah. Huh? Absolutely. And so, um, and so, it, it it is a good thing to 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 us to be able to to take time out, um, and ask our children, what kind of dad do you need me to be? That's a great question. Yeah. What kind of dad? What kind of mom do you need me to be in order for you to be your best? Um, because. Like I said, I know I always go back to me. And I know for me, I was trying to beat my dad. And I was trying to be better than my dad. And I was doing wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the thing is that my children didn't know my dad. So they couldn't give me credit for the <laughs> effort that I was putting forth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And, and and that's where where um where we all um can do better is is helping each other to understand that that we can listen to each other and we can be available to them. Um, we can allow our children a safe space where they can actually tell their truth and not be punished for telling the truth. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So. Um, so anything else you'd like to share? I really appreciate you coming on the show. We try to keep this down to one hour unless we have Cat Williams on. 
I got you. Uh, not at this time. I, I've got another coaching call to jump on, but I definitely okay. appreciate uh, being able to to dialogue with you, and I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. We appreciate you, too. And, and so if there's anything else you want to give our listeners, right, one golden nugget, what would that be? Uh, I would say uh, the golden rule always hits home. You know, always treat other people the way that you want to be treated. That's definitely a model that I live by each and every day. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. We want to give you a round of applause um, for your willingness to come on the show. And we just want to say thank you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely love it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, well, as we go out, we close out the show. This is Champ Franklin, your host. Um, and I just want to say thank you as I wrap up this evening um, with a moment to, to encourage you, the listener, to be present. Be present in the moment, present with your children, present in in a space that allows your children to be heard and um it doesn't hurt to allow them to be right um because they're only like seven at 13. allow them to be right it's not the end of the day um trying to prove your kid that wrong Right? Or trying to show, catch them in a lie. Um, let it go. Because right now, in, in 24 hours, it'll be over. Whatever they did will be over. So um, let them have that moment. And I think that we will go further in our relationships and experience and level of closeness um, with our family, with our loved ones when we allow them to have that safe space and i am your host champ franklin and <clears throat> and we have done an amazing job here and i am so proud um that we've gone through the show and i've got new guests um remember to subscribe to like the show because oh my gosh you all have no idea how excited i am that each time I look at the at the at the listeners, right, the number goes up, which means I am making a difference, and and I'm 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 so proud to be here to be your host. I'm honored to be here, um, giving you um, golden nuggets where you can apply to your life. So as we go. Um, I remember I, I, I remind you that the sky is the limit. Do not stop on the moon. Again, the sky is the limit. Do not stop on the moon. Um, this is the um, primaries. Uh, remember to go vote um, because your vote matters. Your vote counts. Um, and. Yes, because there are many of millions of black Americans who who wish they could have voted, wish they could have felt like they counted, 
wish that they could be a part of the American dream, wish that they could be a part of, of the American society, wish that they could be counted and really um, experience the, 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 the purpose or the authenticity of the Constitution that all men are created equal. And so we want to be, we want to, we want to exercise that right today to vote. Um, so we got the early primaries. If you're here in North Carolina, um, going all the way, I think Saturday is the last day. Um, so get out and vote. Um, and it is the thing, right? There's a reason why the early voting ends on Saturday and not Sunday, because that would be two Sundays <laughs> that we take souls to the polls. Oh my gosh. So get out there and vote um, because there are people out there who are looking to create, to surgically um, carve out your right to vote. And you want to exercise that while you have a chance. All right, this champ, Frank, I'm out. Remember, again, the sky's the limit. Do not stop on the moon. Champ Frank out. <laughs>